0: For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files Internet Video Program, please visit ExMormonFiles.com. That's ExMormonFiles.com. And now, here's Earl.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ex-Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl. I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. We are still in Boise and very happy to introduce today Terence P- Paternoster.
2: Paternoster. Did I get that right? Yes.
1: Hey, nice to have you here and sharing your story. Fascinating story, and so let's get right to it. You're, uh, were you born in this area?
2: I was born in Boise. Were you? Lived in Boise my whole life. Wow. Never been gone longer than ten days.
1: Really? On vacation or something? Yes. Huh? yes. It's a beautiful area up here. Uh, got lush farmland, I guess, and, and lots of water coming through, and hopefully no four flooding. seasons. No flooding this year. Four seasons, and you yeah. get much snow.
2: Uh, a little bit in the valley this year. We got quite a bit, yeah. uh, compared to previous yeah, years. Yeah, I think we
1: had a, a out of Utah got our <laughs> best crop. for a long time. So, were you born in the church?
2: I was born in the church.
1: Yeah, and uh, mom and dad active and everything. Mom and dad you know, right? active. Now you're the oldest. You you were. I have right? an older
2: sister, so I come from a family of seven kids.
1: Oh, and you're the second.
2: And okay. so I'm the oldest male in the family. Okay. Uh, named after my father.
1: Oh, were you? Okay. Yes.
2: Uh, So I have three brothers and three sisters.
1: Okay. And again, just normal Mormon life. I mean, you went to primary and...
2: Went to primary.
1: Yeah. Baptized at eight. Baptized at
2: eight. Yeah. Priesthood at 12.
1: What do you think of that being baptized at eight thing? Is that...
2: That's a good question.
1: Baptized... What are you being baptized into at that point?
2: Uh, uh, Accountability. Yeah. I mean, you're, you being, you're being baptized into being accountable to the laws and ordinances
1: of the gospel. Yeah. Did you sense that you were, I mean, now that I look back on it as an adult, I just figure, well, we're being baptized into the church, make sure we're on the church records. And I mean, you're not being baptized to Jesus, are you? Did you sense that at all? I've.
2: Uh, it was the first time that I really remember being interviewed. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, because they go through that little quick interview, yeah. you know, that an eight-year-old... An eight-year-old,
1: are you worthy? <laughs> are,
2: <laughs> yeah. And you just go, I don't even know what these people are asking me, you know. <laughs> yes, I want to get baptized. Yeah. And,
1: well, you've been pushed ever since you were six or seven. Are you going to get baptized? When do you get baptized? And, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so primary, and then you go into young men's and... Yes. You active with that and all, yeah. all that yeah. jazz? And,
2: Deacon, teacher, priest,
1: yeah. active. In fact, you were president or something, weren't you, of the quorum? Oh. So? oh, I was not president of the quorum. Weren't you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Active in scouts, though, I guess. Active in scouts,
2: got my Eagle Scout.
1: Oh, good for you. Yeah.
2: Did, did all of those? I couldn't
1: swim, so I never got my Eagle. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: did, did all of those things. Fortunately, I had a very nice uh, lady that was in our ward who helped me get my Eagle project written up and turned mm-hmm. in You know, a couple of months before need... I turned 18. And... Oh, is that
1: what? Oh. I was cram, cramming into Smart, in smart the thinking. So, uh, seminary? Seminary, all four
2: years. Yeah,
1: seminary graduate. Did you feel like you had a testimony of the church?
2: I felt like the church was true.
1: Yeah. I felt like... Had you read the Book of Mormon at all? Uh, pieces, parts. Yeah. Yeah, from seminary and stuff, yeah. assignments. And...
2: About, about the equivalent that I would have said I would have read the Bible or... <laughs> um, you know, the Book of Mormon or the so Pearl of Great Price or anything <laughs> else. The pieces I needed to read. I was not yeah. a great academic uh, individual the, in those ages. On the and,
1: spiritual side of things. Huh? Oh,
2: not in school either. Oh. Just did not have a lot of desire to <laughs> um, study.
1: Yeah. So did uh, any questions ever come up or during this time of your life?
2: Um, ab- about the church? Yeah,
1: yeah. Doctrine or... Nothing, you had I, I did. I did finish. not
2: have any red flags about the doctrine. No, okay. I, I thought that it was true. My okay. my biggest red flags were about my own ability hmm. to maintain worthiness.
1: Oh, okay. So did you uh, end up going on a mission? No,
2: I did. I did not you go did on a not. mission.
1: And it's, it's kind of an interesting story. But go ahead and share that.
2: Yeah. Well, let me let me back up a little bit, because, you know, you you talked about baptism and just that point in life. And for me, there's there's I look at some very milestone things that happened in my uh, development. Yeah. Uh, And one of them was that um, about the time I was seven or eight, my parents, there's a up above Boise. There's a city that's called Idaho City, and there was a church camp up there that's still owned by the church that's called Pine Top, and my parents would occasionally go up there, and we would go up and camp. So when the Cub
1: Scouts would go uh, and the Scouts? Sometimes,
2: the Scouts would sometimes go, but it was really a church camp, and there was a pool, and it was probably some donated property, and my parents would frequently go up there because we happened to be in the stake that had that that facility, right? And so we would frequently go up there with uh, friends in our ward, and one of the times that we went up there, we would go on these hikes, and there was a tree that we'd go hike to, and then there's kind of a mountain range that, you know, not really mountain, but more of a canyon that has a pillar on the top and kind of a little altar that somebody had built on the top. And so we'd go through this hike. And during that time, I I always like to be first. You know, in my life I've always liked to just, you know, be the first one out, go around, yeah. let's go, you know, get there faster than everybody right. else. And during this process, I got lost. You know, on one of these hikes I got lost. Okay, right. Nobody knew I was lost. But I had. You did.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I, oh, I did. I yeah. did. I knew I was lost. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, is somebody coming? Because I got so far ahead that I looked behind, nobody came. Nobody was there. And there was this interesting moment in time that I'd already developed a knowledge, a great awareness of sin in my life hmm. um, at a very early age. Yeah. Can, I, I think compared to a lot of people. And, you know, the interesting thing was, is that I would come home from school. I'd walk to school and I'd come home from school and I had this little rhyme that I would sing to myself and it was nothing but swear words, right?
1: Oh dear. <laughs>
2: no, nothing but swear words. <laughs> and you practiced words. that regularly. And I would rhyme it all the way home and I would say it and it was just, I, I wouldn't even repeat it. I mean, it's just, yeah, they, were that just bad. <laughs> they were just awful swear words. And so I got in this negotiation with God when I got lost and I said, God, if you get me back. I will never, never do this again. Just get me back, yeah. you know, and I finally found like this pipe and kind of followed it back and ended up getting coming back. Fine. Everybody was there. My family, I come from a big family
1: yeah.
2: and I realized nobody knew I was God, but I now had this in debt to God <laughs> and I quickly realized that I didn't keep it. And so at oh. a very early age after being baptized, oh. I'm realizing I have sin issues. And so throughout my...
1: Isn't that interesting. Um,
2: I, I think it is interesting. Yeah. Because I, I felt like my struggles, you know, largely with Mormonism wasn't about LDS doctrine as much as it was me. I couldn't keep the law. And the older I got...
1: And you realized that was a conflict that you couldn't resolve.
2: I didn't know why I couldn't resolve it.
1: Right, yeah, that you, you kept falling yeah, falling short as we say. Interesting.
2: Yes, yes, and that, and that perplexed me throughout my adolescence, yeah. you know, into, you know, once you start those bishops' interviews and they start yeah. asking those questions, I'd meet with the bishop of 12, <laughs> and they'd ask you the questions, and at first I'm just going, I better just lie. I think I'm gonna get in trouble if my parents find out that I didn't get to the, go to the temple or something and start asking me questions. I eventually got to a point that I just said, I'm done lying. I'm just going to tell him what it is and live with the consequences.
1: And you did that.
2: And I did that.
1: Yeah, you told the bishop I, stuff. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Some, some of my struggles, and I, I would say that uh, <laughs> I enjoyed sin quite a bit and uh, ended up on church probation at one point.
1: Really?
2: Yes, <laughs> which, which was awkward. Yeah. Because I, I came where my parents live is really close to the Boise State campus, and so there wasn't a lot of kids my age in my ward, and so if I wasn't up blessing the sacrament or doing my role, It was kind of obvious and so I I really felt kind of outcast to a certain extent because here I am not being able to take the sacrament and...
1: Well, don't you think a lot of people actually feel that internally? They may not express it like you eventually did, but I mean that's just built into the system, don't you? Isn't that what you're... that's where the hypocrisy and everything comes in, right?
2: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely, but
1: I mean, Mormons have to. You can't go through a temple recommend question or the interview with the bishop without burying something and hoping he doesn't get the inspiration to ask you a specific question.
2: Yeah, it probably didn't matter which question he answered. I I probably didn't come to. I'm guilty. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so and so, going back, you know, I mean, I tried a lot of things to try to make myself righteous. Like I, I would selectively date like a state president's daughter or a bishop's daughter or keep... people who I thought would um, improve my character and maybe help keep me more um, morally straight. But in the end, I think that my, their morality was no better than mine.
1: Well, it's so interesting you say that. And that's such a, a perception to pick up on as a, as a young man because I felt those things, but I didn't, I wouldn't, inter- I would ever say them anywhere or even maybe internally think that because I was, I knew I was going to disappoint God and my family and so you're just hypocritical.
2: Yes, at some point I think you get to the point that you feel like, God, I don't know if I can disappoint you any further. I already feel like that, you know, I'm headed to the lower kingdoms. This is where my life is going, you know, and possibly, you know, going on a mission might have resolved that. Right. I mean, I get up to that point. So you
1: get to that point and get
2: get to the point of um,
1: deciding to go,
2: deciding to go, went and had the physical, um, started filling out the paperwork, went and met with the bishop. And then started hitting the Word of Wisdom questions, and he realized how short I came. <laughs> that uh, I'd done some things the night before that really weren't in alignment with the Word of Wisdom. And he says, you know, this really isn't quite you're, um, you're not worthy. up to standard. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you try to stop that and come back in six weeks, and we'll see where you're at then, and let's you know, yeah. move forward from that
1: Interesting. point. So did you end up going? On, on a, a mission? mission?
2: Yeah. I, I, I didn't. Um, okay and and you know there was there was a few reasons and i think that it goes a lot to uh, guilt and shame is sure i was raised with the belief that i was responsible to pay for my own mission i mean as young children we were oh, admonished yeah. to save your money and put it away and
1: and you I, didn't have a savings to do that
2: <laughs> well i made money my yeah. mom was very uh good at getting me jobs. And I've worked a lot of jobs, but I didn't seem to save the money. I seemed to spend it. And so when I went to the bishop, he says, go ask your family. And I'm thinking there is no way I'm going to ask my family to pay for my my mission. My My parents were not wealthy. um, Very meager means, which means I'd have to go ask my grandparents and aunts and uncles. And I'm just going, I don't know about this. But I started to experience a different problem at that point in my life. And it was that you know, up until 19, cause now I turned 19. Yeah. That you know, I had lots of girlfriends. I love the dances. <laughs> I love the social aspects, you know, Yeah. I loved women, girls, probably <laughs> girls in hindsight at that age. And, but they were all starting to push me and saying, you really need to be going on your mission. You know, those things that you know, we were doing a year ago, ah, I'm not up to that now. You need to go on a mission. Yeah. Well. So I I resolved that problem by dating somebody who wasn't LDS.
1: Oh, that's how you...
2: And so I was working with somebody at one of my jobs. I worked at McDonald's when I was uh, 18, 19. And I met somebody who wasn't LDS, and she didn't
1: care if I went on a mission. Was she Christian in the sense of active?
2: Oh, you know, from a Mormon perspective, I would consider her to be what I'd always viewed a lot of Christians, which they have a said faith, but they didn't attend church regularly. Mm. They, you know, claimed a belief, but nothing active. And her best friend, so she had another male friend who wasn't um, a boyfriend or anything who was in her life, and he and I tried to push her to take the missionary lessons.
1: Oh, tried to convert her to become you, LDS. Oh right? yeah,
2: I, I, we both believed it, just, it was true, and so yeah. we're trying to convert her, and so we got her to take the missionary lessons. So and you were
1: on a mission. <laughs> I, I was on
2: a mission. I was on a mission to convert my wife. Yeah. Uh, not or soon-to-be wife. Yeah. Um, so I end up, so, so this is kind of where the story goes. So I had really three problems that I was trying to solve at this particular moment in my life.
1: Yeah.
2: And the problems, the problems were that I was, I'd moved out right after high school with my older sister and was living and realized that it was expensive to live out on your own and so I had to move back home. Okay. My parents had me under a curfew despite being like 19. and yeah. I was paying rent. <laughs> my parents were putting pressure on me to go on a mission. sure. And I had a particular sin issue that uh, I liked uh, women and <laughs> I needed to resolve and so I came up with a plan and my plan was that if I was to get married, this solves everything
1: you don't have to go on a mission I don't have to
2: go on a mission it gets me out of my parents house Uh, it solves my morality issues because I'm I'm married I'm now married yeah Yeah. and my understanding is once I was married even if I got divorced I wouldn't be eligible to go on a mission because typically they don't send people who have been married and so I thought There's my plan with a backup plan that, you know, I think my wife was going to become Mormon, firmly believing the church to be true. We didn't talk about it a lot dating and 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 basically decided that uh, if she didn't become Mormon, my my plan was 19 year old logic. uh, I'll just divorce her in a couple of years. I'll be accepted back into the fold. Everything will be good and I'll resolve this.
1: So you end up marrying her, and you know, she she stays Christian, of course. And what happens? Tonight?
2: Yeah, yeah. I marry her, and then for the first time, she decides to go back to church. Um, and
1: she takes you with him. No, with her? oh
2: no, no. I did not go to her church. Oh, at no, first. I, uh, not for quite some time. Oh, okay. Instead, some, she brought. I don't know if she brought her so much. Some people who knew her. From her church decided to come over to our apartment and come knock on the door and want to talk to me. Yeah, and I told her pretty sternly Don't do that. I'm not interested uh, The only so even
1: though you couldn't live the commandments of the church you still felt the church was true and and this was eventually the way we needed to go yeah, that,
2: yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I didn't know what it would take to get me to, to the point of righteousness. Yeah, you know, which is the word that I would re- use is that I wanted to feel righteous. I wanted to be accepted by God. Yeah. But growing up, I realized that I had a huge <laughs> weight on my back of sin because yeah. I understood pretty well the doctrine and covenants and pieces that you know true forgiveness and right. repentance involves what the process took? of not repeating sin. Yeah.
1: So, what eventually happens to.
2: Well, um, so, so we, my wife kind of backs off. She pressured me you know, to go to yeah, church. Yeah, she didn't pressure me to go to church. She just wanted me to talk to some people. Oh, okay. It wasn't even a pressure. She really kind of backed off. We had discussions here and there about occasional things and I would go I don't know you know I'm sure if I went to my Bible and I looked it up I would come up with some answer there's some answer for this and I felt pretty satisfied with that but I wasn't actively attending church occasionally I would go to a homecoming from one of my you know friends that went on a mission or something and then I would come back feeling really guilty about my own life and my own position but God started to put a pressure on my life of making me feel like I was a hypocrite and how he did that was because I used the theory with my wife as I said the only reason that you believe what you believe is that Is how your parents raised you mm-hmm. you grew up in this Christian pseudo-christian household They told you these things you went this way. That's what you believed You don't have the fullness of the gospel. You don't have the <laughs> priesthood. You don't have prophets You don't have all of these other things. I understand that but but it's not quite good enough.
1: Yeah, you don't have it all.
2: You do not have it yeah. all.
1: So, how did you resolve that, or what happened in your oh. life? what happened in your life? To...
2: Well, God put pressure on me, and I mean, He started to bring people into my lives, my life, where I would had a particular job that allowed for quite a bit of dialogue. I was working at a manufacturing plant and with, sit, with Christians, with Christians, and I was debating the Mormon side. And I would give, you know, a, a Bible, a Bible. You know, I have a Bible. I need nothing else. For I have a Bible, and you know, I would try to refute their claims. And
1: you actually started reading the Bible. Is that right?
2: Uh, not initially. It took about a year. Yeah. And I got to the point that that God really convicted me and said, "How are you any different than what you're really claiming your wife is?" You know, you grew up in a church that you thought was true. Your parents took you to it you attended that your whole life you've never really went off and tested it and so I came up with this logic that said okay the Bible came before the Book of Mormon Um, although the eighth article of faith kind of limits you know how good the Bible really is is, um, I'm gonna start reading the Bible and I've read the Old Testament and it is boring so at 19, I said, I better start with the New Testament. It's much shorter. Let's just go read the, those sections, yeah. and let's just go see where this leads. And I basically said to God, you know, God, I am going to pray to you every day. I'm going to ask that you give me eyes to see. You give me an open heart. Whatever may come, may come. Good for you. But, but fully believing that this would lead me back. Back to the church. To the church. To Mormonism. Yeah. It would support
1: Mormonism. Sure. But it didn't.
2: Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians. Did that get you? And and Galatians got me. And I got to Galatians chapter 1. And I mean, anybody who reads Galatians, uh, I mean, if you read Galatians and you look at that, that is a book that is designed about false
1: gospels. Yeah. Right. If even an angel comes and, and preaches another gospel.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, I was reviewing. And right,
1: the Bible was here first. It
2: was here first.
1: I didn't ever think of that either. In Mormonism, we kind of think of all four scriptures as they stand alone in their own way. But when we refer to the scriptures, it's all of them. So we just figure the Mormon gospel is in in all of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: I I think that's that's. So trend. then, when you
1: look at the Bible by itself and read Galatians, then you realize, hmm, wait a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and what's what's fascinating is because sometimes I think, how did I, you know, I, I believe God truly had a, a calling on my life. I had a deep desire in my life to be accepted by God, to want to be righteous before God, yeah. and it I really lived like with such shame that yeah. I didn't know how. But when I got to Galatians one, and it's it's interesting. I was reviewing it again last night. That that. Paul repeats his warning twice it 's right. not even that he says it once; he says yeah. it the second time I'm I want to emphasize think, this <laughs> yes, get it if even I or an angel of light comes and yeah. preaches another gospel, right. let him be accursed. Right. let me say it again, just in case you missed it the first time people yeah if, if an, you know if yeah. someone 's preaching a different gospel, which then starts to lead the question, what is the
1: gospel yeah. Right. Now, I know I'm kind of pushing, but believe it or not, our time is just zooming by, but uh, did you have a, a moment then that you finally, because you put this trust uh, oh in, yeah. in Jesus and that kind of stuff? We uh, probably uh, ought to get to that. Oh, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm close. Yeah. Yeah, so you, I, hit, I hit Galatians. Yeah. I'm in chapter 1, and I read that, and it just starts fireworks going off in my head saying, whoa, an angel of light, this so much reminds me of the stories that I had been taught in Mormonism.
1: Angel Moroni. Right,
2: Angel Moroni. But I didn't have a reconciling, how to reconcile that back to all of the other things, the priesthood, the prophets, and everything else. But what I did was, and what I love so much about Galatians is they don't make you wait. Paul didn't make you wait very long. Quickly in chapter 2, the point is, is that if the works of the law were sufficient to produce righteousness, then Christ died in vain. And yeah, we didn't need him. We didn't need him. <laughs> yeah. We didn't need him. But then I'm going, well, then what was the purpose of the law? Then why did you go give the law? And fortunately, in chapter three, and these aren't long chapters. I mean, no. they are a few verses, right? Yeah. It's, it's, the law was our schoolmaster to lead us to faith in Christ. Yeah. It, its, it's whole purpose was to show us our unrighteousness, to show us we're not worthy, so that we had a new covenant, a different covenant that yeah. God had made with Abraham, yeah. and that we could be part of that seed.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and really kind of the sealing portion for me is, you know, because when I read it in chapter three and I'm thinking about this, I just said, God, I don't know. You know, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the world, but I so much, if this is true, I accept I accept. Oh. I give up. I have tried my life to be righteous before you and
1: I failed. I, failed. I always will. <laughs> I always
2: will. I give up.
1: And did you begin to understand what Jesus had done for us at that point on it, the cross?
2: It was instantaneous that really? there was this flash that it no longer mattered about a preexistence, the prophets the Joseph Smith story, it only became about Jesus. It became about me yeah. and my position before God that God had imputed righteousness to me. And for anybody who doubts Isn't that...
1: Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's
2: unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable, but it is so simple, because, because that's the thing that Mormonism pushes, right? Yeah. Is that, is that you need these extra things
1: But you have to earn and do, not what Jesus did. Yeah, the third article of faith is prime,
2: right? right? You know, we believe that all mankind may be saved by obedience, obedience to, to the laws the law. and ordinances of the gospel. Yeah. Right. But you hit Galatians five verses one through four. And Paul says, no, guys, look, it's it's you or or Jesus. If you want it to be you, that's fine. You take it. But you will are judged law. by the law. Yeah. You have to do all of it. You're judged by the law. Yeah. But it's Jesus. And so there's not my addition to it. And so at that point.
1: Good for you. It
2: was gone. And then it became deep. Research and study into,
1: and now you know more about Mormonism than probably most Mormons do. Is that right? <laughs> uh,
2: I would say that's probably
1: true. Yeah, I mean that's... we learn, we start, we have our eyes open, and we start understanding what the temple's all about and Masonry and and all the what Book of Mormon problems there are, and yeah. Yes, it. Well, I'm proud of you. It's just so, uh, and, you, and that moment you just be, were able to trust Jesus, he became something a little different then than your older brother, and the, the, the guy that picks it up at the end.
2: Yeah, f- f- fills in the gap at the end. Yeah, yeah my Lord, my Savior. Yeah, my
1: King. And, yeah.
2: My, my Master, yeah. right? He owns my life.
1: And he's the one that's righteous. Yes. <laughs> and we get, Like you said, imputed with his righteousness. Yes. That makes us able to stand clean. Yes. Isn't that a, and it's so godlike. It's so simple. Yes. And yet Mormons misunderstand that, don't they?
2: Unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. What do you think they most misunderstand? Grace is one for sure. And who Jesus
2: is? I think that that there's a natural desire to want to believe that somehow we have an importance that we can contribute and do good works. Yeah. And that somehow it feeds our own pride. I mean, if one thing I can look back is, I had a lot of pride as a Mormon, even me not even keeping the, it. Even with the guilt
1: and the shame the and shame. all that, I yeah.
2: I had pride.
1: Yeah, I guess your wife was thrilled, and
2: uh, she didn't know about my backup plan until after that point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and then your uh, and then your family, I guess. We're we're actually out of time, Terrence, but. And what a wonderful story you've shared. But I know it's tough, though, isn't it? Family can can shun and, and not be uh, supportive and uh, challenged. So, anyway, thanks so much, and we'll see you again next time.
0: This has been the audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com.